And turn to John chapter 18, please. John chapter 18. Our text this morning is going to start in verse 28. We'll read down through the end of the chapter. We're going to focus in on one particular thing, but just for context, we'll read all of these verses together here. John chapter 18 and verse 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered the judgment hall again, and called Jesus, and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Say, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. This passage that we've read here records for us what might have been the last intimate, personal conversation that Jesus had with another individual before he was crucified. And of course, the Bible records Jesus said other words, but we're talking about an entire conversation here that he had with an individual. But in this exchange between Jesus and Pilate, we see two men uh, with different, different viewpoints entirely. Pilate, in this situation, comes across as one who is agitated, one who's maybe irritated for having been placed in the middle of what seems like some religious dispute between the Jews. Pilate gives some pretty short answers. Uh, he almost comes across even a little bit sarcastic or irritated in this exchange. Jesus, on the other hand, uses this conversation to reveal his true identity to Pilate. And when asked if he really was the king of the Jews, Jesus just tells it pretty straight, and he responds in the affirmative in verse 37. He said, Thou sayest, I am a king, to this end 
was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Then, so Jesus tells Pilate that his mission in coming to this world was not to build some earthly kingdom, but his mission coming into the world was to go to the cross, to die, to bear the sins of the world, to bear witness to the truth. And at that point, Pilate asked Jesus a question, but it was a question that seems to be born out of cynicism. And he asked Jesus and he says, what is truth? That was a rhetorical question. Pilate wasn't really wanting an answer from Jesus because he didn't wait around to receive one. The Bible says that he left right away. In essence, he was telling Jesus, what is true for you may not be true for me. Don't talk to me about truth because truth can't really be known. What is truth? And so Pilate threw away a glorious opportunity to come to know truth for himself. He looked truth in the face, in fact. He refused to see it, and he walked away. And I don't believe that Pilate ever was born again. Pilate probably died in his sins. I guarantee you that Pilate knows what truth is today. And I want to take... Pilate's question this morning, what is truth? And I want to ponder it for a few minutes, and I want to look into the Word of God and find out what truth is. Amen? And that is the title of the message, What is Truth? Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd help me today to preach, to explain, and then to make application of your Word And Lord, ultimately, I know that the real applications are made by the Spirit of God in the hearts of men. And Lord, we'll trust that you will do that today because it's your word and it is truth. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, receive the glory for it and there would be a submissive, tender heart response uh, to the Spirit of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to draw out of this passage here is this thought that Jesus believed there was truth and truth could be known. Pilate asked the question, what is truth? But Jesus believed that there was truth and truth could be known. He said in verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Jesus believed there was truth and that truth could be known. He said that his purpose would be to bear witness unto the truth. Now, Pilate, his question leads us to believe that Pilate didn't really have any kind of grasp on truth at all. And perhaps Pilate was thinking or maybe his thinking had been jaded already by the empty philosophies of the day. There were those that said truth was relative, or truth is unknowable, or truth is unattainable. If you study out the religions and the, uh, and the philosophies even of, of Jesus' day, you'll find uh, very clearly that people uh, in Jesus' day had this idea of relativism as well. Same as our day. 
The idea that truth is relative, or the idea that truth is unknowable, or the idea that truth is unattainable. And evidently, Pilate had come to believe that there is no absolute truth. Because Pilate said, what is truth? So Pilate, in his own mind, had come to believe that there is no absolute truth. And let me make the application. Today, uh, it's popular in universities and schools to teach that truth is relative, meaning that there is no objective truth. Truth is always subjective. Subjective to your thinking, subjective to your circumstance, subjective to whatever you want, but objective truth, there's no such thing. Truth isn't really knowable. And we're living in a day when the majority doesn't believe in absolute truth. I read this poll just this week as I was studying that in this nation, in America, 67% of adults agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Almost 70% of adults in America agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There might be somebody in this room who has that same philosophy, that same thinking, that there's no such thing as absolute truth. But let me ask you a question. Is that logical? Is that, does that correspond with reality? That there's no such thing as absolute truth? I mean, we can use all kinds of Silly examples. I mean, imagine driving down Plaque Road out here at 70 miles an hour and a state trooper comes along and he pulls you over for going 70 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. And the officer pulls up and he comes to your window and he says, can I have your driver's license and your registration, please? And he says, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, nope, I don't know. Because you're going 70 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. Well, that's just your truth, Mr. Officer. I identify as a person who only was going 40 miles an hour into this 70 mile an hour zone. What's true for you is not true for me. Therefore, you don't have any right to pull me over. Is that going to fly? Does that correspond with reality? Were you going 70 miles an hour or not? You understand what I mean? Does it correspond with reality that a 47-year-old man is not a 12-year-old girl? Does that correspond with reality? Yes, it does. It doesn't make any difference whether I believe all, with all my heart that I'm a 12-year-old girl. Reality is reality. Truth is truth. You can't change that. Or gravity. How about that, for example? Gravity is only your truth. That's the real question that we're asking here, friend. Does it correspond with reality? What is the law of gravity? What goes up must come down. I believe I can fly. Does that correspond with reality? What is truth? Well, truth isn't really knowable. Absolute truths don't exist. Is that logical? Does that correspond with what's real? And that is the question we're asking. Does this correspond with reality? Because everything can't be true in real life situations. Your version and my version, they both can't be true. 
Truth by itself, by its very definition, is exclusive. Now, why then would we think it any different when we think of morality or we think of, uh, of religion even? Does it matter if morality and religion correspond to reality? Yeah, it matters. The meaning of truth is precisely this. It is what corresponds to reality as opposed to what is not. That's a basic definition. Now, I came across a book that I started reading through, and I haven't gotten very far in it, but I'm going to keep on reading this book. But the book is entitled, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And in the book, the authors identify six characteristics of truth. Number one, they said truth is discovered. It's not invented. You ever, you ever, you ever think along that line that, that people want to make up truth? But who gave you authority to make something true? Truth is discovered. It's not invented. It exists independently of anyone's knowledge of it. For example, gravity existed before Newton discovered it. It exists independently of anybody's knowledge. Truth is discovered, not invented. Number two, truth is transcultural. Meaning this, if something is true, it is true for all people in all places at all times. Like two plus two is four, no matter what the new math tries to tell you. That's a truth that is universal. Number three, truth is unchanging even though our beliefs about truth change. And what that means is something like this. When mankind discovered and started believing that the earth was round instead of flat, the truth about the earth didn't actually change. Only our beliefs about the earth changed. It always was what it always was, as God created it. Does that make sense? Truth is unchanging, even though our beliefs about truth change. So you might come to a different conclusion about something. Maybe you held this position at one point in time, and you've moved on and said, well, I don't really believe it. You guys are really dumb for believing that. I've evolved, and I'm more enlightened now, and I believe it this way. Well, truth actually didn't change. Your perception and your belief about something changed. Number four, beliefs cannot change a fact, no matter how sincerely they are held. A person's belief cannot change a fact, no matter how sincerely it is held. Someone can sincerely believe that the world is flat, but they are, that only makes them sincerely mistaken. A 47-year-old man can sincerely believe that he's a 12-year-old girl. He's just sincerely mistaken. Okay, you understand this, the thought here? The truth is not affected, and beliefs that people have cannot change facts, no matter how sincerely you believe it. Well, I don't believe heaven exists. I don't believe there's a hell. I don't believe there's a God. And I sincerely believe it. It doesn't change the facts. Number five, truth is not affected by the attitude of the one professing it. 
And what does that mean? Well, an arrogant person can be speaking truth, and his attitude stinks, and he's arrogant about it, but it doesn't change what's true. Any more than a humble person who is promoting error is more truthful even though he's humble. His attitude about it doesn't change the fact that it's wrong. Does that make sense? Now, Jesus said to speak the truth and speak it in love, certainly. But just because somebody is arrogant about what they're saying and they come across a certain way that rubs me wrong doesn't change what's true. I don't believe that because of his attitude. Does that make sense? And then the last thing that they said was all truths are absolute truths. By very definition, it is exclusive. Now, people can deny that. People can believe whatever they want to believe. But they end up detaching themselves from reality when they refuse to acknowledge there is such a thing as absolute truth. Does it correspond with reality? Well, I don't believe that. Well, you end up detaching yourself from what is actually real. Jesus himself, in this passage, stated that he came to bear witness to the truth, meaning that he believed there was truth and it could be known. So truth can be known. So the question, what is truth? The word from which it is translated means this. It means that which is accurate or true in any matter under, under consideration. It is the opposite of that which is feigned, fictitious, or false. The opposite. And again, we can go back to the example of gravity. Suppose I tell you that there is a truth called the law of gravity. That law states that whatever goes up must come down. Now suppose that you reject that as being truth, and you just say, well, that's your truth. So you decide to test that theory. How do you do that? Well, you go up to a higher place, and you let something go. It went up. Is it going to come down? Well, you don't have anything to drop off of a building. You have to use yourself as an example. Okay, so you go up to the top of the building, and I believe I can fly. And I'm going to step off the top of the building. It's not going to take very long to figure out that there is an absolute. That what went up is coming down. But just because you might believe with all of your heart... It doesn't make it so. Truth is something that is always true. Abraham Lincoln. I've read a lot about Abraham Lincoln. I appreciate Abraham Lincoln and his perspective. And I think the, when you read things about him, like the depiction, the, the way people imagine him to be, I think is, is, is a lot true that he had somewhat of a dry wit to him somewhat of a dry sense of humor. And there's a story about Abraham Lincoln, how he once used a very clever ploy to teach some people about truth and what is truth. And these people had come to Abraham Lincoln with some sort of a decision that was just based on suppositions rather than on 
fact and on truth. And so after hearing their logic and going through this debate and this argument, Abraham Lincoln said this. He asked them this. He said, he said how, many, how many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? Well, they quickly answered. They said, oh, it would have five, five legs. Abraham Lincoln said, no, it would still only have four legs. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. But that's what you get in culture today. That's what you get in our world, that truth is subjective. It's not, it's not objective. Someone might say, okay, all right, all right, pastor, we'll bite. If there's truth and truth can be known, then how can we learn it? How can we really know it? Well, I would simply start by this, and we'll work into this passage in a second. I will simply start with this. Those of us who are saved and know the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing truth is a lot easier for us. Why? Because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Jesus tells us three times in the Gospel of John that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. In John 14, 7, He's called the Spirit of Truth. John 15, 26, Jesus said, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And here's one more that's really, really important. John 16 and verse 13, this is especially important. Note this. Jesus said, How be it, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It's a lot easier for those of us who are saved to understand, embrace, and know truth because of the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of truth, who guides into truth. We can know it. John 16, 13, I read that verse for you. It tells us, that the Holy Spirit of God will reveal the things of God to us, thus teaching us truth. Therefore, believers are in a far better position to learn truth because of the Spirit of God who lives within. Now, the world, on the other hand, or unsaved people, on the other hand, they have a spirit too, but it's not the Holy Spirit that spirit blinds them to the realities of truth. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just keep your place here in John. We're going to get back to these verses in a minute. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, note what the Bible tells us here about this spirit that blinds. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, "...in whom the God of this world..." hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. And he, Paul is talking, says, if the gospel is hid, if the gospel is not understood, it's hid to those that are lost. And the reason it's hid is because the God of this world has blinded their minds that they won't believe. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and note this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, where the Bible says, But the natural man, that's an unsaved man, that's one who's in his natural 
uh, human state, his, his Adamic nature. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're spiritually understood. You don't have the Spirit of God. And it accounts, listen, this is, this is why. Let me, let me just say this in passing here, and we'll move on. This is the reason right here that people can consistently reject what is true. Even in, when in their heart they have a sense that this is in accordance with reality, they don't want to embrace it. They don't want to receive it. They keep on rejecting what is true, and they choose lies instead. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded their mind. Lest the light of the gospel should shine in unto them. The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It's foolishness, in fact. He can't know them. Why? Because they're spiritually understood. They're spiritually discerned. It demonstrates why they live their lives the way that they do. They can't even see the reality of their own life. They don't see what's wrong with it. How do they attempt to justify their sin before God? because they're blind to the reality of things. They have detached themselves from reality. It's easier, listen, it's easier to just deny that God exists than to face the reality of being accountable to Him. So let's just deny that He exists. Can't know it. Jesus believed in absolute truth. He believed in absolute truth so strongly that he came into this world, he lived a perfect life, and he died to bear witness to that truth. Yes, there is such a thing as truth. Regardless of what society says, regardless of what a person imagines, regardless of what an individual says about it, truth can be perceived and it can be known. Pilate's question, what is truth? It was a cynical question that he wasn't looking for an answer for. But the reality was, Pilate was looking truth in the face. So we see that Jesus believed in truth, and it could be known. Secondly, I want you to notice that the pull and the power of truth. Go back to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. At the end of verse 37, so Jesus says, I came to bear witness unto the truth, but then he says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Here is the pull and the power of truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So not only does Jesus tell Pilate there is such a thing as truth, he also reveals the effect of truth when it's believed, when it's embraced. What is the effect of truth? It causes one to hear the Lord's voice. Truth, when it is believed, touches the hearts of men and begins to draw them to God. Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. John 3 and 21, Jesus said, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. How do we hear the voice of God? How do we hear the voice of the Lord even today? We hear His voice through His Word. 
Which is why John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's why Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says that the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. Even if you deny truth, the word of God has a powerful effect to reveal what is the thoughts and intents of your heart. The scripture is truth and it's powerful. And listen, everything stands or falls right here on this thought. If the Bible is inspired, if it's infallible, if it's the inerrant word of God as it claims, then it alone is the final authority and standard of living for life, not your thoughts or your imaginations. It's not the opinions of men. It's not the musings of great philosophers. It's not the imaginations of a person's own mind. The Bible is the final authority. Now, I'll go with this, and I'll agree with this, because there are those who say, well, the Bible's not true. And I'll agree with them on this thought. If the Bible is not true, then you might as well live however you want to live. If the Bible is not true, then we have no standard, and everything should be accepted, and there is no right and wrong, and there is no sin, and there is no God, and there is no judgment, and there is no hell, and there is no heaven. I'll agree with you if the Bible's not true. But you know what? People who say that don't even believe it themselves in reality. Why? Their own thinking, their own thinking betrays them. Because most often in situations like that, they'll say, well, everything's acceptable, nothing is knowable, and so on. There is no standard. But in reality, they have a standard of themselves. Oh, abortion's not wrong. Abortion's not wrong. You can murder babies. That's fine. But you shouldn't rape and murder other people. That's wrong. Who says? We sit in classrooms and we teach children that the the world, that people evolved over billions and billions of years. You're destroying foundations of truth. Okay? And if evolution is real, and what they're teaching is real, then why do we have a standard of right and wrong for anything? Why is there a lot? I mean, really, honestly, raping and murdering should be just fine because it's survival of the fittest. They weren't fit enough. They didn't survive. You with me? Is that in accordance with reality? Does that match up? Is that logical? Their own thinking betrays them. But the truth is that the Bible is true. That the Bible is real. That the Word of God is true. That God cannot lie. If the Bible is wrong, then we can't believe anything about God. If the Bible can't believe, be believed, then our foundations are destroyed, and we have no faith, and we have no hope, and we have no rules. If the Bible is a lie, there are no absolute truths, and God is not, does not exist, and we are not accountable to Him. That's exactly what the world wants. That's exactly what sinful men want. 
If God didn't make man in His image, then we can just do whatever we want to anybody else. But following that logic, following that logic out to its conclusion shows that they don't actually even believe that themselves. You might as well live like you want to because there is no accounting for God. But li- and listen, if I can't trust God in Genesis 1-1 that God in the beginning made the heavens and the earth, then I can't trust Him in John 3.16 either, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But thank the Lord we can trust the Bible, that it is true, that it does correspond with reality, that it is inspired, it is truth, without any mixture of error. Praise God, that can be believed because His Word is forever settled in heaven. And when, listen, when men come to embrace the truth, they can and they will experience its power in their lives. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip several things, but I want to make note of just a couple of things that tell us how powerful the Word of God is and notice the power that's contained in absolute truth. The Bible tells us in John chapter 8 and verse 32, if you want to turn there, you can, I'll just quote it for you, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know what the first power of truth is? It has the power to set free. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When Jesus said those words, He was telling His hearers that the truth had the power to deliver them from the bondage of sin and the bondage of the law. It would literally set them free from bondage in Jesus Christ. And here's the application. When a person comes to know the truth, They come to understand and they come to see the fact that they themselves are actually in bondage to their own sin and their own nature. But knowing the truth is something that enables them, allows them to be in a position to be set free. You come to know something that sets captives free, that opens the blinded eyes. This is the power of truth. To open the blinded eyes, to set people free, to transform shattered and ruined lives, to fill a life that is void, that's empty, that's dead, that is purposeless, to fill it with love and joy and peace from the Lord. Not something that you can create yourself. Why are people so empty? Why are people so miserable and depressed? And why is it that people just want to end it all? Why? They don't have truth. They're blind. They cannot see the bondage that they are actually in. But when you come to know the truth, it can set you free. Truth has power to set apart. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In that passage, in John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for us too. And as he prays, he says to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to render something holy, to dedicate or consecrate something to God. And Jesus says that the truth of God's word has the power to cleanse and the power to change. 
God's word is powerful. The truth of God's word is powerful. And those who will embrace it, they can and will experience its power in their life. Let me give you an example. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to note what, what Paul said about the church in Thessalonica in, in relation to the word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 13, Paul says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. This is a powerful verse here when it comes to the power of God's word. And I want you to notice the word received here. Paul says, he says, I thank God without ceasing because when he received the word of God, which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. The word received there, the second time Paul uses that word, it's a word that means accepted or embraced. Think about it. You received the word. You accepted it. You embraced it. So he says, you accepted and you embraced this message. This is the inward welcome of this truth. Not just the physical hearing, the outward learning, but the inward welcome of the heart. They heard the word with the ear. They accepted it and embraced it in their heart as true. You follow that? So they accepted it, not as the words of men, not as another preacher, not as a philosopher or another teacher, but truth from God. The real Christian has a connection between the person and God's Word because I've embraced it. It's not just words that I hear from somebody or words I read on a page, but I have embraced it as true in my soul. Now notice that the Thessalonians didn't view the things that Paul had said to them as just common words of men. They recognized that Paul was sharing with them the words of God. And notice what happened when they accepted it. Look at the verse again. He says there, You received it not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So what happened when they embraced it as true? What happened when they believed it as true? The the Bible tells us that all of a sudden, the Word of God effectually worked inside of them because they believed. You know what that word effectually is? It's the Greek word energeo. It's where we get our English word energy from. And it means this. It means to be operative. It means to be at work. It means to put forth power. So when they embraced the truth, it began to effectually work in them. It began to put forth power in them. So follow this thought. The word of God is not empty. It's not impotent like the words of men are. It effectually works with energy and power in those who believe. It's a a verb, effectually. It's a verb that shows action. 
When that word is used in the New Testament, it's almost always used to refer to supernatural action, God's action in a person's heart. And so the word of God, by the power of God, is supernaturally working in those who believe it to be true. That's a powerful thought. This is why a person can sit and hear preaching They can be exposed to truth, it can be in the presence of truth, but it doesn't affect them. Why doesn't it affect them? Because they have not embraced it as true in their life. The Word of God, it's alive. It's powerful. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. But this does absolutely no good to someone who rejects it as not being true. But when you believe it, When you embrace it, it begins to work powerfully in a person's life to set you free, to set you apart, to enable you to show you what is really true. Go back to John, and I'm going to move on here. For the sake of time, I want you to look at verse 38, because the last thing I want you to notice is the person of truth. We see the power and the pull of truth, but I want you to notice the person of truth. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. A better question to ask than what is truth might be this Who is truth? Who is truth? What is truth? It's the Word of God. Who is truth? It's Jesus, the Son of God. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus plainly calls attention to the fact that He and He alone is the real deal. Jesus was and is the embodiment of truth itself. John 1 and verse 14 tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He alone is true. Jesus And Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone is the Lamb of God. He alone is the way to the Father. Jesus is truth. The Bible says, let God be true, and every man a liar. Jesus is God. He is true. All other men are liars. You know what? You can believe whatever you want to believe. But anything other than Jesus Christ leads down a road of destruction. Jesus alone is the door to the narrow way that leads to life everlasting. Acts 4.12 says there's, there's salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Must be saved. It is through Jesus Christ alone. Our world doesn't like that truth. But it's still true, 
regardless of whether they like it or not. Amen? Pilate stood in the very presence of truth itself when he asked that question, what is truth? Pilate's question has been asked by philosophers and men who think that they themselves are wise throughout all the ages. But Jesus said, I'm the truth. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. 1 John 5, 6 says that the Spirit is truth. The Spirit and the Word point to Jesus Christ, who Himself is truth. I'll close with this. The world makes the wrong choice when it comes to the truth and spiritual matters. Men often make the wrong choice when it comes to truth. You don't get to invent truth. You only discover it. The mob in Jesus' day, they preferred a thief. They preferred a murderer rather than the prince of life. The next verses say, but ye have a custom, notice this verse 39, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? They cried, then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The mob, they wanted the murderer. They wanted the thief. They wanted the robber. They wanted the lawbreaker rather than the lawgiver. And men reject Jesus for, for different reasons. Judas rejected Jesus for the pleasure of money. Pilate listened to the mob in order to be favored and please the people and rejected Jesus. People sit in churches all over the country and they still reject Jesus for different reasons altogether. But it doesn't matter what the reason is. It's never worth rejection of Jesus Christ who is true. Verse 39, Pilate said, you have a custom. How sad, how sad that he knew what the custom was, but he didn't come to know the Savior who stood right before him, the very presence of truth. People are the same today, though. Opportunity to know truth, but choosing instead to embrace the lie. People choosing even this very day to reject truth, but rejection of truth means eternal judgment. You don't get to change that simply because you don't believe it. But faith, embracing of truth, that means eternal life. But everyone must make a choice. So the things of God are true, whether we accept them or not. If you're here today and you know the Lord, just say, thank you, Lord, for the truth. Thank you for opening my eyes that I could embrace it as true. Thank you for giving us truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, use your word and the truth of it to penetrate hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.